This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host AJ Scholes is sitting in the Rotowire home offices in Madison, Wisconsin. Good day, AJ. Good day to you, Paul. Uh, another hockey's back returned uh, yesterday, and we've already got plenty to talk about. Uh, you know, we're in the back half of the season here, but before we kick off the rest of the show... Just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll answer those questions for you. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. You said it, partner. We're into the stretch run post-All-Star game, and uh, we're going to go through each of the teams, highlighting what they've done in the last 10 games and uh, what the future may hold for some of their key players here based on the roster moves that we have up to date. Beginning with, as always, the Anaheim Ducks. They were 3-6-1 and one, uh, before losing another game last night at San Jose. A 4-2 loss. John Gibson made 23 saves in that one. Richie and Case, two guys that are making a case. Let me say that one right off the top. <laughs> uh, for top six roles, Richie coming back in the lineup recently. So good news for him. Gibson has wilted under the load this year, my estimation. That was that was just continued last night a little bit. We're seeing career-worst numbers, AJ, in terms of goals against and a save percentage there. Uh, almost three goals against and just slightly over nine, 90% save percentage, way off his norms. But a uh, tough situation there. This team is not very good. I don't think they're going to make the postseason. Uh, in fact, uh, you can look at the lineup and see why. They got Devin Shore, a career fourth liner. He's playing left wing on the second line, and he's been blanked for the last nine games. Not a guy who's known for much offense at all and just symptomatic of, of the issues here that they just don't score enough. Max Jones uh, has picked up more ice time in the la- left wing in the last two weeks. A pair of goals to show for his efforts. You see the, the pickings are really slim here. On defense, though, uh, Josh Manson has seen a bit of a spike in his playing time and maybe tasked for more responsibilities as he settles into a heavier load. That uh, can only help the defense. This is one of their better, better defensemen in terms of an all-around game there. Yeah, it's hard to blame Gibson for a lot of the problems here. Certainly he could be better, um, but there's just not a a lot around him here 
Um, I will say, you know, I kind of thought maybe the Ducks would be higher on the shots allowed list given their their blue line core. So um, they're about middle of the group there. So it's really not too bad uh, in terms of shots allowed. So that does speak a little bit more um, to Gibson, you know, being uh, somewhat pal- uh, culpable for, for the problems they're having there on the back end. Good word, culpable. Hey, we're, we're getting a Scrabble enthusiast involved <laughs> right off the top, I guess. The Arizona Coyotes, they are in a playoff spot right now, at least on a hunt for sure. Uh, six games over 500, 5-4-1 five, in their last 10. They've lost their last two, so I want to write that quickly. Darcy Kemper uh, is back in the fold uh, after a 14-game absence due to his lower body injury. That's great news here. Taylor Hall is uh, loving life in the desert. Seven points in his last four games played. Similarly, Connor Garland, a guy that I really like because he brings a feistiness to the game as well as a scoring touch, looking good on the top uh, line on the right flank. Six points in his last four outings. Lawson Krause, a highly regarded junior, uh, has already tied last year's goal total making a bit of a breakthrough it's his physicality that i like you know that i like him tough and i like them with a scoring touch combination uh, he's opening up scoring lanes for vets Stepan and kessel on a very capable looking third line here yeah i think it's interesting that they made the move to activate uh, darcy kemper off injured reserve heading into the the all-star break here but then they called up Aiden Hill yesterday. So you have to wonder if maybe there was a bit of a setback there for Kemper if that lower body injury is still causing a problem there. Uh, you know, for them, uh, I think they'll be all right. Anti Ranta has been okay uh, down the stretch. You know, he had a, a rough game against Edmonton, but uh, earlier in the season when he was playing a little bit more consistently, his numbers were a little bit better. And I would expect once he gets going, here a little bit he'll he'll start to start to roll for them as well so i think they should be able to weather the storm with him on of uh with uh kemper rather still sidelined but that's a tough uh you know tough couple of teams chasing them chicago uh and winnipeg are right there behind them uh trying to get into that wild card spot and uh, the Boston Bruins are comfortably atop the Atlantic Division. They've given up some ground recently with a 5-3-2 and two record. As a couple of teams behind them are red hot. We'll get to them shortly. But Yarrow Halak has been front and center here, uh, toiling in five straight starts, giving up 15 goals in that stretch and going 2-2-1. Two, two and one. But now he's about ready to give way to Tuka Rask, who's ready to come off the IR. And it's pretty nice when you can lean on a... Uh, second string goalie to take the load and not really suffer too badly and they haven't all season halak one of the best in that role uh, uh, in terms of the big boys brad marchand struggling a little bit last 10 games all he has to show for it is a goal and five helpers and uh, that wonderful highlight real penalty shot uh, situation in the shootout where he <laughs> fanned on it i won't forget that for a long while david krejci bagged a goal and an assist in his return from a brief two-game injury absence the veteran centers has been in and out of lineup all year but they've managed to get by largely because charlie coyle has stepped into the second line center role with some degree of success and in fact the way they lined up uh, at practice uh, it still shows Co- uh, charlie coyle taking that second line role and krejci getting a chance to get his sea legs back in the third line center position on defense mark grizzlick is dealing with a possible arm injury it's just a rotation of guys that have been in and out of that blue line but they've managed to maintain the defensive structure of this team all season long kudos for them for that yeah i think the biggest concern for me is is the marchant numbers now granted 
while he's been slumping, Bergeron and Pasternak have continued to roll along. So clearly, uh, overall, that first line is still working for them. But if there's any sort of hiccup with that group, this just isn't a deep scoring team, in my opinion. You mentioned a few other guys um, that can slide into roles with with Krejci and Coyle. Um, and I would put even Jake DeBrusque is, is certainly capable of producing. But after that, it, it really tails off. And so for me, if, if Boston's top line, uh, you know, runs into any more issues here in terms of producing, uh, it, it could cause problems for the Bruins, who, as you said, have a couple of hot teams right behind them. And uh, one of those is not the Buffalo Sabres, AJ. They're just hanging on with, by their fingertips to playoff contention. They really have to come out of the All-Star break humming on all cylinders. Five, five and five is record in the last ten. They lost their last one before the break. Jeff Skinner uh, coming back in the lineup is really good news for this team. After missing the last four weeks with an upper body injury, he's expected to suit up on the second line left wing for this evening's tilt against Ottawa. Curtis Lazar, we talked about him recently enjoying a fine stretch of play as a second line center. Maybe they finally solved that issue of this guy continue to put up points like he has. Seven points in his last ten games. A very nice run for a guy who was the captain of Team Canada's juniors not so long ago and has had a bit of a tough time getting higher than third or fourth line minutes in a couple of other stops along the way. So getting a good look in Buffalo and finally being rewarded. In the net we have a bit of a changing of the guard. Linus Ulmark entered the All-Star break on a real nice groove, allowing only six goals against in his previous four games to unseat the incumbent Carter Hutton, who is uh, struggling to, to be, get a share of that role back. Rasmus Dahlin has picked up his offensive game of late. Seven points in his last seven games played. A bit of a quiet season for a guy that they expect much more from, but it looks like he's on the verge of finishing strong here. I think the, the most interesting thing here is you mentioned Lazar, and, and based on practice yesterday, they're going to drop him back down into a third-line uh, center role instead of having him play with Skinner. I, I would have thought maybe Skinner, Lazar, and Froelich as, as that second line, um, but they're going to move Marcus Johansson back to the middle and have him anchor that, that second line. Now, to be fair, they had decent production out of Skinner and Johansson uh, you know, prior to, to Skinner getting hurt, and now they've added Froelich, so that could be a really dangerous scoring line. I'm a little concerned about uh, Gergensen's playing on the left wing with, with Eichel and Reinhardt. Um, I would have expected maybe VC or Sherry to get uh, uh, Sherry rather to get a look in that spot. So uh, some interesting shuffles for day one of Skinner being back. That certainly could change at uh, today's game day skate as well. Well, and that's why you point out uh, a difference from what I had last night. It changed so quickly. And, and we, be, we ask our listeners to take a look at the line of updates before the games actually get started because particularly in the starting goalie situation, sometimes there's game time decisions here. So really a good point by you to, to switch things up and get the most current information out there on the Buffalo lineup. Thank you for that. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. 
The Calgary Flames, 6-4 and four in the last 10 games, losers of the last one. Uh, they are in a, hot, a tough battle in a very hotly contested Western Divi- Pacific Division. Mikhail Backlund is well off his career norm scoring pace, but has picked things up of late with five points in his last eight games at right wing. That's a boost for the offense here. Mark Giordano is still a key figure on the back end, but the fact is that his offensive to- totals are going to be 50% of the Norris caliber season that he put produced last season not many people are talking about that but quite a drop off from the 70 plus that he recorded last year cam talbot is thriving in a backup role in this spot he's currently riding a four game win streak having allowed only eight goals in that span so good for him and uh dylan dubé a former second round pick in 2016 you talked about him a little bit last week he was a solid scorer in the ahl all the way through and is finally showing signs of those traits with three points in his last eight games played as right winger on the third line you have to wonder if more reps will get him more confidence and more points Uh, i like the pedigree so i'm betting on that the interesting thing about the the decor here this season is uh you know you mentioned giordano's numbers having dropped off a little bit but they're getting uh, decent pro- uh, production from a couple other guys in Noah Hannafin and TJ Brody. You look at their top 10 uh, scorers this season in, in overall points, and Giordano comes in at 7, Hannafin at 9, and Brody at 10. If you want to go even one more, Rasmus Anderson comes in at 11. So really uh, some solid production uh, on their lineup from uh, the blue line. I think where that raises a concern for me is that you're not getting a lot from, you know, kind of your depth guys here in terms of uh, forwards. You know, it's it's Tuchuk, Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Monaghan, and, and, you know, it really kind of falls off after that. So you they're going to need something. I expect this to be a team that definitely is active as we get closer to the trade deadline here and adding, uh, you know, a top six winger. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what they're in the market for. And you can count on us talking about more rumors as we get closer to that date, February 24th. Uh, a birthday for both of us. Should be a fun day <laughs> to track to track all the action in the trade front. Carolina Hurricanes, 5-4-1 and one, their record. They are in a wild card spot right now. Justin Williams giving them a real good shot in the arm with a storybook return to his game action in his debut. Scored the shootout winner and then added two goals in his next game. And you know he's a heart and soul guy on this club. He's the one that's credited with starting all this post-game celebrations that they do that have really caught the imagination of fans everywhere in the NHL. Eric Halla is a guy that I expected uh, to be a key part of this offense, and he has done that previously this season but currently five scoreless games led to a healthy scratch in his last game situation so we'll keep an eye on that and i have to feel bad for a guy like a ryan zingle this guy had a 26 goal 56 point season last year and he's mired in a very poor campaign he's not even to come close to those numbers and he's uh, limited to third line minutes at the moment the best news here though only 13 goals against their last eight games played and mrazic and reimer can take equal share of that both having been great players in each of their last four games they're going to need those goaltenders to really uh step up here because there are some serious offensive concerns you look at jordan stall their number one uh number one center here one goal in his last seven games no helpers over that stretch uh he's actually gotten pretty much removed from the power play uh in in those last seven games just minimal seconds really not even minutes uh on the power play and so, you know, you're looking to guys like Aho, 
Uh, his numbers haven't really been great. He's got one goal in his last 10 games. He does have five helpers over that stretch. Um, but they're really their offensive guys uh, haven't really been showing up for them. And so they're going to have to rely heavily on Mrazic and Reimer uh, if they're going to make another postseason run here. And in Chicago, we're seeing another one of these shuffles. I had a note about Kirby Dak enjoying time with Patrick Kane, but now it's switched up. Ryan Carpenter is getting action there, picking up two assists next to Kane on that second line unit. Dak, for his part, flashing his offensive skills with three points in his last two games and now in a center role in the third unit. That's probably a good spot for him to keep the youngster away from the top checking and give them a little bit of depth in that lineup. Drake Kajula back on the right wing on the top line has five points in his last four games played. And as long as uh, Jonathan Davis is playing like the uh, a seven seven years ago when he was in the prime of his career that's a great spot to, to find value with Kajula uh, after a sluggish start and maybe after having some sense knocked into him by the aforementioned Jonathan Taves at practice if you saw that clip Duncan Keith the veteran really being productive of late on defense eight points in his last 13 games played for his best stretch of the season if I'm a Chicago fan there's nothing that would make me uh, more excited about the future uh, then seeing DeBrincat and Doc playing on a line together, I think these are guys that are going to be possible top uh, top line guys for them in the future down the stretch. Uh, and so I, I'm excited if I'm a, a, a Hawks fan seeing those two playing together uh, in that role. So uh, we'll we'll see if that continues. I, I'm not sold on Ryan Carpenter as a second line center. Uh, with with Patrick Kane, but I do like the combination of Doc and DeBrincat. All right, up next we talk about the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they are five, three, and two in their last ten, winning the last three coming into the break. Gabriel Landeskog, I'm a little bit concerned about him. The shots on goal rate is down from the rate that we've seen from the last two years, and it looks like he's having a bit of a slow recovery from the injury absence that has muted his offensive production of late. On the second line, though, Nazem Kadri enjoying life in that second line center position on pace for another 30-goal campaign. A nice bounce back from a, a, a se- this last season in Toronto last year. On defense, Ryan Graves has formed a nice pairing with Kale McCarr. He's been the headline grabber in terms of the defenseman all season, but Graves now has four points in his last four games. And look at the plus-minus, plus 34. That's awesome. Uh, Philip Grubauer bouncing back from a recent slump as 2-0-1 in his last three starts, looking to get a share of the net back. Uh, Only six goals against for him in those three outings. I would expect what you're going to see here uh, the rest of the way in terms of the goaltending is the hot hand is, is going to get the start here. Um, you know, and I, and I think right now that that's Grubauer, um, but certainly Frank Hoos, uh is no slouch himself. He's, he's been playing well um, for stretches of, of the season, a couple rough outings uh, here or there, but uh, you'll see kind of if, if Grubauer struggles at all, I think it'll be a quick switch. Uh, and, and they'll ride the hot hand here for a while because you, you have to do whatever it takes to capitalize on having McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen. Like this, this is your window, and you need to capitalize it as best you can. Good point there. Columbus Blue Jackets, they're capitalizing all over the place. Eight and two is the record in the last 10. They've winners of the last six that they've played. 
we didn't think this was a playoff contending team, but they're right in the mix right now. And uh, a couple of key offensive pieces are contributing of late. Oliver Bjorkstrand, you have to hand it to him. He was hot coming off the IR with four goals in two games at right wing on the top line after a 13-game stint on the IR. So forget about him needing to ease back into the lineup. He's done it full bore. And another guy who did the same thing is Cam Atkinson, picking up five points in his first two games back, scoreless in his last two. But that was after his 12-game stint on the IR. So a team that has been red hot has been infused with some good pieces offensively back in the fold. It's kind of like making a trade. You get two guys that haven't been there for a while and having a big impact immediately. And talk about a big impact immediately. Elvis Merzlikens in the Nets has been a straight up a revelation. Five straight wins right now. The hottest goalie in the league has three shutouts in that stretch. Incredible uh, run for him. Uh, another youngster, Emil Benstrom, has provided some depth scoring with four points in his last six games played at left wing on the third unit too. So they're getting a production from everywhere and it's no wonder they're riding such a hot streak when that's happening it makes you wonder what they're gonna do when Corpusalo gets healthy I mean at this point to take Merz Lincolns out of the lineup would seem to be uh, insane for for lack of yeah. a better term <laughs> I mean he's just been playing so well um, but you have a guy in Corpusalo who uh, apparently I, I saw a story the other day woke up from uh, surgery from having his knee surgery to find out he had made the all-star game. Uh, So kind of a a boost there after an unfortunate uh, incident for him. So uh, it really makes you wonder what they're going to do once they get both guys healthy. Another guy whose name uh, is is kind of popping up is Josh Anderson. Now he's been sidelined with a shoulder injury. Sounds like maybe he'll be ready to go after, after the break here, but with just four points in 26 games this year, it doesn't seem to be clicking the same way it did in 2018. And so you wonder if there's going to be teams coming call, uh, to come calling, wondering if they can buy low on this guy and get uh, a player who was a 40-point producer, 27 goals last season, uh, and get him for a steal. So we'll see how that shakes out. Obviously, he has to get healthy first. The Dallas Stars are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games before last night. They lost two going into the break and stunned the Tampa Lightning in overtime, 3-2 last night in the home game. Jamie Benn accounting for two goals, Dennis Gurionov for the other single, and uh, Bishop was a stellar in goal. Miro Heiskanen returned to the lineup as well following a concussion protocol, so good news there. Rupe Hintz, eight points in his last 10 games played, now switched over to the right wing on the second line to make room for Joe Pavelski as the center there to try and get the latter veteran a bit untracked. He's had a uh, troubling season trying to get his offensive game to travel with him from San Jose to Dallas. It hasn't worked out so far. Maybe the switch will inspire him in that way. John Klingberg was red, red hot with eight points in six games before the break. Before a four-game uh, stint on the IR, rather, it has one point in, in two uh, busy games. He's had a heavy workload since his return. Bishop definitely on his game. In addition to last night's effort before that, only 11 goals against in his last six starts. You need your goalie to be your best player to have a run like they have, and uh, he's fit the bill of late. It's one step forward, one step back, it seems like, for Dallas. So they get Miro Heiskanen back in the lineup last night. Uh, Radic Faxa returns to the lineup as well for his third-line center. But then you have Rupe, uh, Rupe Hintz gets hurt just 20 seconds into the game last night. Uh, unclear as to what, uh, you know, there haven't been more details on, on what's going on there. It looks like an upper body injury. And Andrew Cogliano also gets hurt uh, during the second period of, of last night's game uh, with a lower body injury. So they get two guys back, but then they have two more guys 
get hurt. So we'll have to wait and see a little bit longer uh, to determine what, what the status is for those two guys. The Detroit Red Wings, boy, the news has been really hard to find some good stuff to talk about this team. 2-7-1 and one in their last 10, losers of six straight. And uh, after, uh, let's try something. After being a healthy scratch for six games, Brendan Perlini is in at left wing in the last two games. And uh, he's a guy with some offensive upside, so we'll have to keep an eye on him to see if he contributes in that regard. Robbie Fabry is a guy making the most of his right wing time on the top unit next to Dylan Larkin, picking up five points in his last eight games played, so that's good news. Jonathan Bernier likely to remain sidelined for another week with a lower body injury, but that isn't good news because Jimmy Howard's had a rough time of it. Let's let's not uh, disguise that. He's been pretty brutal much, much of the season here. Andreas Athanasiu, another bit of good news, is ready to return to lineup and should provide an offensive boost there. I expect him to find a top six role within a week of his return if not sooner but they didn't get uh, good news on Anthony Mantha of late he's looking like he might miss another month with with his rib, rib injury and it's a, ch- there's a chance that they might be without him for the rest of the season like you mentioned Jimmy Howard struggles and and I want to want to quantify that for for our <laughs> listeners here you look at his last win it, Paul off the top of your head if you had to guess when was the last time Jimmy Howard got a win did he win one in December October 29th was Yikes. the last time Jimmy Howard won a game. Uh, oh, 14 and two uh, played 16 games over that stretch a 4.59 goals against average 0.869 save percentage. So really, I mean, to say Jimmy Howard has been bad is, is kind of an understatement. And we've talked about the fact that there's other problems with this team. So certainly uh, it is a tough situation that he's in to try and win games. But even if you just look at kind of his most recent outings when he's been playing a little bit more uh, in four of his last nine appearances, he's given up five or uh, five goals. So really just nothing is clicking for him right now. Um, you have to wonder if, if this is the, the end of the road for him, at, at least in, in Detroit, if, if not uh, overall the, the end of his career right around the corner here, because this has just been a very poor, poor season. That's right. He's 35 years old, playing out the string on a $4 million cap hit and will be a UFA after this season is over. I think it'll be tough for him to find work in the NHL unless he turns it around today and and for the rest of the season. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers, they have turned it around this season. In fact, they're 6-3 and won their last 10 games played and looking like they're destined for the postseason. That'll be great news for Connor McDavid fans to see him in the postseason for once. Zach Cassian has fulfilled his uh, two-game suspension, and all eyes will be on him tonight as he goes back against his adversary in uh, the game against Calgary, and, and Tachuk waiting for him to see if they will renew hostilities there. Must-see TV, in my opinion. Kyler Yamamoto is looking locked into a nice uh, slot as right wing on the second line next to Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl. They've split Dreisaitl and McDavid apart again, hoping to build on six points in his first eight games played this season. Despite a 40-point pace that would be a career best, Oscar Clefbaum has a career-worst minus 14 going that offsets much of his uh, offensive skills. So they still have some things to to straighten out here in Edmonton. That's just an indication that uh, not all is good. The defensive structure is a bit suspect at times. I, and, and, and as far as that's concerned, partner, I don't understand the trade rumors involving Darnell Nurse thinking 
he's a val very valuable commodity that the Oilers need to re-sign with a big raise from his expiring 3.2 million cap hit. Maybe it's wishful thinking in other markets, but I don't think there's any way that th they let this guy escape Edmonton in the offseason. Do you? No, I mean, the, the only thing I can think of is if they just don't see the numbers working out. I mean, they've got a lot of guys uh, eating up a good number of cap here. You know, even just on the blue line, you've got Clefbaum is over four, Larson's over four, Chris Russell makes four million. So if they think, you know, uh, Darnell Nurse in, in, you know, free agency might be able to get five, six million dollars, maybe the numbers just aren't there. But he's an RFA as well, so they don't really have to worry about losing him for nothing. Um, I, I would be surprised if they, they moved him, uh, especially, like I said, considering that RFA status. The one other thing I'll mention, you, you talked about tonight's game. As much as I have you know, a, a soft spot, spot for Vegas with, with Marc-Andre Fleury there, uh, kind of excited about Arizona and everything that they're doing, I really don't want to see the Pacific Division standings change. I would love a seven-game series between Edmonton and Calgary in the first round of the playoffs. That would be just a battle and a dogfight and would be amazing to watch. Yeah, I've seen it before. The Battle of Alberta, one of the highlights in younger years in terms of watching hockey for me, um, just like the Battle of Ontario, Toronto, and Ottawa. It's these rivalries that really turn up the heat and make it that much more fun. So good for you for pointing that out. The Florida Panthers on fire, not... Uh, Eight and two is the record. Another team that's won six in a row, just like Columbus. We know the top line is humming. They've been doing it all season long. But the recent success is fueled by depth scoring here on top of that. Consider that Vinny Trocek has seven points in his last eight games at center on the second line. And on the third line, you can drop down there and see Frankie Vitrano has nine points in his last five games, including a recent hat trick. Even depth D-man Josh Brown has uh, chipped in with three points in his last five games played. But he'll soon give, give way to Mackenzie Weger, who will soon rejoin the lineup from the IR and bolster a pretty effective top four on the blue line. Best news of all here, Sergei Bobrovsky's on a four-game win streak, only allowing 10 goals against for his best stretch of the entire season. We've talked about how guys like Petrano and Huberto kind of fly under the radar because, you know, the Panthers are an undercovered market here. Well, uh, speaking of flying under the radar, Mike Hoffman is on a 10-game point streak right now. Five goals, eight assists in, in those 10 games, four of those points coming on the power play. I mean, this guy right now is almost a must-have uh, in your DFS lineups, and I think he won't cost you nearly as much as some of the other guys on this team, like Huberto, Barkov, and even Trocek. So uh, to get him, I you know, I haven't looked at it. The Panthers aren't in the mix tonight, but I think you could probably get Mike Hoffman for certainly less than some other guys in the league right now and get solid production uh, that that would really help you in los angeles they're looking for help all over the place two seven and one is the record in the last 10 losers of the last four but uh, at least tyler tofoli has looked more involved and engaged of late at right wing on the top line pouring over three shots on goal per game over his last 11 contests that's in line with career norms when he was going at his best so i'm looking for the numbers to increase there uh, if he holds on to that rate and and that role dustin brown has moved on to right wing on the second line but has three points in his last three games forming an immediate partnership with jeff carter another name that is rumored in uh, trade talks as the deadline approaches we've also seen alex iofalo take the next step as left wing on the top line being very productive 
with Anze Kopitar forming a nice combo there. Now Kyle Clifford is getting a long look at left wing on the second line, and they're hoping for the same outcome for him. Alec Martinez, another guy whose name was in a lot of rumors, he may soon be on the move. Currently, he's getting a long look with Drew Doughty on, a, on the top D pair, so it's showcase time for the veteran. Uh, he has one year left on a cap hit of $4 million, I believe, too, so not too bad if you're looking for some term as well, uh, a pretty decent defenseman. The Minnesota, uh, what about your thoughts on the LA Kings? Well, the two big concerns I have is the news that came out yesterday that Derek Forbert Andrew Doughty are both dealing with injuries um, and, and weren't able to practice Monday. It's it's definitely a concern when you consider they've been off since January 18th. So they had certainly time to, to get healthy or, or, you know, if they were dealing with some sort of injury. Um, so to come out of the all-star break and their bye week uh, with, with an injury is definitely a concern and something that you'll want to monitor. You know, you mentioned Martinez playing with Doughty, well, now, uh, if both of those guys were to miss time, you're looking at maybe uh, Curtis McDermott sliding in with Martinez, maybe Matt Roy. Uh, ben Hutton would have to slot into the lineup as well, and, and they'd even need to call up a player from the minors. So a lot of shuffling on that blue line to monitor right now, and it could impact what they're willing to do in, in terms of the trade deadline as well. The Minnesota Wild, 4-5-1 and one the record in the last 10. They won their last outing. Alex Stalock has been a decent in shouldering the heavier workload with Devin Dubnik's understandable distraction with his wife's health concerns. But the sense in Minnesota is that the Wild will try and ride him for a bit now out of the playoffs to aid in a playoff push for as long as they can stay in that hunt. Matt Dumba has three assists in his last three games played hoping to be more productive going forward uh, like that the guy has a cap net of six million dollars over the next three years and really has been subpar most of the season they've got to be gnashing their teeth in the front office about that situation hoping for him to improve Miko Koivu hopes to add offense in in his return to center position on the second line Uh, they suffered in that unit without uh, the playmaking center hopefully can he can juice the the totals there Joel Erickson Eck has added four points in his last five games played as center on the third line but his modest shots on goal rate is not inspiring for me and now that he's losing some minutes to Koivu I'm I'm off that uh, off that uh, look for a little while to see if he can find a production in that third line I think what's interesting to watch on Minnesota right now is is there's so much uh, you know parity in the NHL that Minnesota is just uh, five points back from Vegas for a wild card spot. They've got two games in hand, but they also have Winnipeg and Chicago in front of them as well. Uh, And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next week. I I think because of all the teams being so even, we're going to see teams like Minnesota waiting until closer to the deadline to start making moves here um, before, you know, determining are we buyers? Are we sellers? Are we just going to stay pat and see what happens um, I think there's a lot of potential for guys that could get moved from this team. You know, Jason Zucker's name has been tossed out there before. Um, you know, so certainly uh, pieces that could move, but they have to determine whether they're buyers or sellers. And really right now they're in kind of a tough spot for, for a new GM to kind of figure out what he has uh, in his team. The Montreal Canadiens 4-5-1 and one before last night, dropping another one. They had 1-2 heading into the break, but uh, they need to turn things around quickly. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk has been very productive since he arrived here, but there's talk the Habs may 
be forced to try and move him for a pick if they can't close on a playoff spot over the next few weeks. So it could be decision time for a guy who's actually uh, created a buzz around his recent play there. He's actually meshed very well with Philip Deneau at center on that top unit. He has five points and three in his last three games to show at center, uh, working with the veteran winger. Uh, Yoel Armia scored in his return from his 11-game absence. Geez, that's three guys that have come back flying from 10-plus game absences. He's back at right wing on the second line over here, and they missed him terribly. Uh, Max Domi is well off last year's breakout totals. Kind of like a couple of players we've mentioned earlier. I criticize this guy for his on-ice focus of late, uh, AJ. It seems like he's getting involved in activities that really have distracted him from being the scoring center that he was last season here. Uh, Carey Price was on a season-high four-game win streak, only allowing six goals against in that span, but he was hit for three in, in the loss. There was an empty netter with one second to play last night in that outing. The good news on the horizon is that Jonathan Drouin and Brendan Gallagher are close to return to active duty. I think that you'll see these guys both in the lineup within a week, week and a half. Yeah, that timeline feels about right to me. Paul Byron uh, and Brendan Gallagher both uh, skated yesterday and, in, in, uh, you know, still in non-contact jerseys. So I would certainly agree uh, uh, with that timeline that you've kind of outlined there. Uh, I think we're, we're trending uh, – a team that potentially is trending upwards by, uh, as you said, getting guys back, kind of like adding it at the trade deadline. The addition of Ilya Kovalchuk continues uh, to pay off for them. Didn't have any points last night, but prior to that had had eight points in, in his eight games with with the Habs. And so uh, another team to kind of watch, you know, they're they're pretty far back in terms of a wild card spot. They're nine uh, points or rather 10 points short of Carolina. Uh, and so it, it would certainly take a, a strong run. But when you have Carey uh, Price in the nets, it's certainly uh, uh, on the table as something that, that could happen. Yeah, it's just exactly the same profile that applies to the Nashville Predators, AJ. They were 4-5-1 in their last 10. They dropped a home game to the Leafs last night, 5-2. to two. Uh, Pekka Rinne gave up four goals on 30 shots. Uh, in terms of the goal scoring, Mikhail Grandlin and Magnus Arvidsson uh, accounted for the goal scoring. Ryan Ellis dealing with a concussion, still not skating, and at least a week away. That's been a troubling spot for them to lose their leader on the, one of their leaders on the blue line here. Dante Fabro was a guy I thought that would take advantage of his injury absence, but only one point to show in his last 14 games played. Left wing on that time, top line, uh, Kali Yarncroft pointless in his last nine games played. That's not going to work. Rocco Grimaldi, though, four, five points in his last seven games played, may pick up some of Yarncroft's minutes if he doesn't turn it around. Matt Duchesne's scoring percentage is in single digits for the first time in his career. Similarly, Ryan Johansson just scored his 10th goal of the season. These guys account for 20 goals scored so far. They need much more from, from this duo. They're paying them enough that they should double that at this stage. And so that's been really the, a big bugaboo here. They, they, they're having trouble keeping out of the net, which is new a new problem, but uh, goal scoring is an old one here. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the problems uh, keeping pucks out of the net. Peke Rene sporting a uh, career-worst 2.98 goals against average. And then uh, another career-worst in his save percentage at just .897. He's never recorded a save percentage lower uh, than .9 uh, in his, uh, you know, long uh, NHL career here. So certainly some concerns there. And, you know, you have to wonder... Are they regretting the coaching change at this point? Because clearly uh, bringing in John Hines hasn't 
turn their fortunes around. They aren't suddenly figuring it out and starting to win. Kyle Turris is still stuck in a fourth line role, uh, you know, despite the the new uh, leadership there. So clearly, his problems weren't isolated to Peter Laviolette uh, and and their their issues. So. Uh, you have to wonder if there's any kind of uh, concern, maybe not concern, but any kind of regret uh, amongst the leadership in this team. The New Jersey Devils, uh, boy, you have to wonder how they feel about their recent top draft picks. Nico Heischer in danger of a second straight decline from his 52-point rookie season. Jack Hughes, 17 points in 40 games as a center on a third line, has to rate as a bit of a disappointment too. Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, appeared in relief during his last pre-all-star game start and he started and got the win last night at least for this team that had lost their three prior games and was four five and one in their last 10 before the all-star but they won in a shootout last night over ottawa rooney palmieri and severson accounting for their goals and uh, uh, so there is some good news at least in the fact that palmieri's back in the lineup after a four-game absence and uh, he hit the ice running picking up a goal in his first game back last night yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is is for both Hughes and uh, Capocacco, the, the one-two from last year's draft, they just neither one has really uh, hit hit a strong stride this season. You know, Hughes, 17 points in 41 games, goalless in his last six, although there was a, a, an extended absence there kind of in the middle of that. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about Capocacco when we get to that team, but it is very interesting to see the one-two from last year's draft just really struggling to be impact players in the league right now new york islanders four four and two with one win uh, in their last outing before the break Semyon varlamov has been blitzed for 17 goals against in his last four starts and that's really an indication that things have slid for the islanders off of earlier in the season where they were the best defensive team in the league they're far from that right now uh, although conversely to uh, Varlamov, Thomas Grice has looked pretty good in winning three of his last four starts, allowing only eight goals in that stretch. Right wing on the top unit, Jordan Eberle is a guy that you know that I like. AJ talked about him a lot lately in positive terms. He's meshing well with Matthew Barzal. He has six points in his last six games played. After a long drought, the fellow winger Anthony Beauvillier has caught fire too. Six points in his last five games played. So while they're struggling defensively, at least the offense is picking things up a little bit. And another indicator there is Brock Nelson having reached the 20-goal mark for the fifth time in his career. This guy's having a great campaign, may reach the 200 shots on goal and touch the 30-goal mark for the first time in uh, what is looking like a pretty nice uh, blossoming of, of their second-line center here. Far be it from me to question uh, a world-class coach like Barry Trotz. But you had two goaltenders splitting the nets evenly, both performing well. And then you decide, you know, Grice had a a few stumbles. And then you decide to give Simeon Varlamov the full workload. And look what happened. The wheels kind of fell off. Like it was working so well to split these two guys. As I said, yes, Grice had had a few difficult outings in there, but... I just can't understand why you didn't just continue to to do the the split duty that was working so well for your team all season long. Um, I would expect, uh, and if I'm an Islanders fan, hope that they would go back to that coming out of the All Star break. Let these guys divide the workload. It has worked for them all season long, and and I just never understood that change. If it's not broke, don't fix it. 
and maybe it was a little bent uh, in terms of Grice, but clearly uh, it's not working to give Varlamov the, the full load. And uh, with the New York Rangers, I'll leave the, my Capo Caco note out, so I want you to go off on that. But uh, <laughs> the Rangers headed into the break, four and six in their last ten, losers of their last two. Bad news for them right off the top. Artemi Panarin is dealing with a bit of an upper body injury. I don't know how serious it is because he's listed only as day-to-day, but he is must-see television when you got a chance to watch the Rangers. He's been a highlight reel every night there. Chris Kreider is regarded as the best forward who may be available at the trade deadline by all accounts. He's bumping up his value in that regard with a nice run of late. Five goals and two helpers in his last eight games played. How the Broadway Blue Shirts sort out their 300 goalie situation will be a hot topic until trade deadline. Georgiev is still in the mix uh, to get a lot of playing time, it seems. The showcase continues for him. Uh, Shesterkin, I don't know if he's even up with the club right now, AJ. Maybe you can shed some light on that following the break. But uh, King Henrik uh, is being uh, being a bit of a blight on the team right now. Uh, that's a horrible, maybe excessive word, but uh, he's not helping matters here with his big contract and the commitment they've made to him and the uproar that would ensue if they didn't let him fulfill his contract at least uh, which has another year to run. Brady Shea has seen more ice time of late in a top-pairing role with Jacob Truba recently and has three points in his last four games played. This guy has an offensive upside and is sneaky good value in DFS play when the Rangers line up. Yeah, starting. I'll start with Lundqvist here, and it, you're not going to pay a guy $8.5 million to sit on the bench. That's just not going to happen. Um, uh, you know, they do have a couple of net, young netminders in Georgiev and and Shesterkin, who is currently down in the minors, although I wouldn't be surprised to see him called up uh, in the next couple of days here to to factor into some games. Maybe they're thinking they move Georgiev if if they like what they're seeing out of Shesterkin, but, uh, you know, it, it feels like it would be impossible to do, right, to get somebody to take Henrik Lundqvist with that big contract. But if all things being equal, if if I could pick what I'm doing for them as a franchise – I go with Georgiev Shesterkin and see what I have uh, in those guys, see if one of the two of them can separate themselves and be the next guy. But as I said, you just can't pay Henrik Lundqvist $8.5 million to sit on the bench or to try and bury him in the minors. Like That would be just insane to see something like that happen. Uh, I mentioned Capo Caco, you know, just, you know, kind of supposed to be this goal scorer, right? Like when we talked about these guys, uh, coming into the draft, there was a lot of comparisons, maybe not in terms of what they expected, but it, you had Austin Matthews, your like center, kind of more complete player. And then you had Patrick Line, your sniper. And that was kind of how Jack Hughes and, and Capo Caco were talked about in terms of two guys coming in, going to be one, two. How does it break out? Well, Hughes hasn't really lived up to that billing. He's, as you said, in a third line. And then Caco has not been an elite sniper, that's for sure. Uh, seven goals in 44 games, uh, a 10% shooting percentage right now. No goals, actually no points in his last eight contests heading into the break. Uh, and so really there, there's just something that these two guys are struggling to transition into. Now, I'm not saying that this is the end. Neither one of these guys is going to be an NHL star. It's just an interesting thing to see guys struggling to come into the league after being one, two picks. And, you know, maybe if you redraft 
uh, you know, that draft, maybe you're making different decisions. I, I doubt it at this point. It's a little bit too early to say that, but cer- certainly Chicago's happy with Kirby Doc having fallen to them at the third pick. Yeah, you're right on about that one. In terms of the Ottawa Senators, they were 1-5-4 and four heading into the break with their last game being the victory that stopped that ugly slide. But uh, last night, it was not a good outing at the end of the day when you consider at a home game that their goalie had to make 50 saves, and even that wasn't enough as Hogberg turned aside 50 of the 53 that he faced, but they wound up losing in the shootout. Tierney, Ennis, and Mesnikov scoring for them in that outing. Hogberg, though, has been the star of late, no question about it, making a very strong case for a bigger goalie share, while before even last night's game, allowing only nine goals against in his last four starts. Injury trouble here. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot has written a beautiful story is dealing with a bit of a neck injury considered day-to-day but they want to make sure that they don't mess around with him because he's had such a nice breakout season they'll want to give him time to make sure he's totally healthy before he ice hits the ice next they have a game tonight and you're probably going to tell me that he's going to play aren't you i'll, I'll wait for that though there is also plenty of excitement around brady Tachuk, who got his debut in the all-star game we noted but his shooting percentage is less than nine percent uh, aj so despite the fact that he has all the attributes that i like the scoring percentage i I expect it to be higher than that. It's something that should rise as the talent around him improves. So it's not all, all on him in that regard. I'll say that. Similar issue appears to be the case in Thomas Shabbat's numbers. His scoring decline is continuing this season, but it's through no fault of his. He's logging a ton of minutes. It's just that this team just doesn't score as much as, as you might like for uh, uh, to showcase his offensive skills. Anthony Duclair's trajectory has gone in a more positive direction, and it looks like he's finally found a home here. That's one of the really nice outcomes of the season that has been in Ottawa, as this guy who's been a nomad around the league really has found uh, a landing spot in a scoring line role in Ottawa and should be there for years to come. Boy, Paul, that had to hurt to say something nice about Duclair after years of just <laughs> yeah. uh, panning the guy on, on our show. Uh, you mentioned uh, Peugeot. He actually played last night, uh, 22 minutes of, of ice time, no points, which extends uh, a bit of a slump for him recently. Uh, no goals, just one assist in his last five outings. Perhaps more concerning uh, for me is just six shots on goal over that stretch. And that's despite averaging over two minutes a game uh, with the man advantage in in those uh, five outings. So you would like to see that shot rate increase for him. Uh, That would be the number one thing I would be telling him right now uh, if, you know, if I were his coach. But uh, I think he'll continue to pair up nicely. I like that top line of Tuchuk, Peugeot, Duclair. I think they can certainly produce, um, you know, a solid uh, fantasy value for you might be a line that, to consider stacking uh, across the board uh, heading into tonight's game. The Philadelphia Flyers Flyers in the hunt in terms of the wild card position five four and one their last ten winners of their last two troubling spot there though in the Nets Carter Hart's abdominal injury will sideline him for at least a couple more weeks so they'll be looking at their number two guy Brian Elliott to continue to to take on the major part of the load going forward and he hopes to build on his past three starts where he's allowed a total of only four four goals against and earning three straight wins so maybe they can ride him for a little while while Carter Hart gets healthy uh, Joel Farabee is a guy who hit the ice early in the season with some degree of success, but then went missing in action. He's picked up a, a scoring line role of late left wing on the second unit has a three-game point streak heading into this week so we'll look to see if he can continue that Matt Niskanen has two points in his last four games played absorbing some of the high leverage minutes due to Shane Gostas Bears continuing injury absence 
I think what's going to be interesting to see uh, with this team coming out of the break is first who they bring up from the minors because they still have, uh, you know, uh, Nolan Patrick is still sidelined. Oscar Limbaum is is dealing uh, with his medical issues right now. Michael Raffle was a little banged up. So it'll be interesting to see whether they get Raffle back into the lineup and who they call up from the minors and then how that shakes up, you know, this lineup right now. I would expect, as you mentioned, Farabee's been performing well. I would expect him to t- stay in a top six role, but it's possible that they bump him uh, for somebody that they call up from the minors because they just feel more comfortable with Farabee uh, on a on a third line that's going to face tough matchups. So uh, definitely a situation to watch for the Flyers, how the lineup changes uh, coming out of the, the break here. Hey, did you ever pay Daniel Negrano that dollar on that dollar bet for Nolan, Nolan Patrick deal last year? I did not. I did. I got to stick a Canadian uh, a collection agency on you then. Dan, <laughs> Negrano's a great friend of the show, and we got to make sure that that guy's happy, okay? <laughs> I don't thing- think he needs my $2. I think he's doing okay, though <laughs> I'm more than willing uh, to pay him uh, if, if we run into him again. It just completely blanked out of my mind uh, when we saw him last summer and, and just completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'm sure he's calculating the interest. He'll be doing that when he hears <laughs> this clip later on. The Pittsburgh Penguins, 7-3 and three in their last 10. No wonder my partner's chortling in the background. They did lose their last game, though, and uh, they have some troubling news in, the, in that Dominic Cahoon is in cut concussion protocol, causing a bit of a lineup shuffle in their top six. Patrick Hornquist is one guy who may benefit from that situation. He becomes a player of interest for me if he gets a chance to build on four points in his last eight games played, largely because he might be ticketed for right-wing minutes alongside Sid the Kid. Matt Murray in the Nets is building a case for a larger share of the net after five straight wins for his part, allowing a total of 13 goals against. But it's going to be hard to unseat Tristan Jari. This guy has uh, three wins in his last uh, few outings. Uh, The the goals against, though, in the last six, 17 goals against in that stretch. So a bit of a 500 mark going of late, and uh, he'll have to do better than that to hold off uh, the veteran Murray. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say the veteran Murray, right? Like this is a guy that two Stanley Cups, right, you know, has had uh, a really solid career. But he is still only 25 right. uh, years old. But certainly given, you know, his time in the league, he he definitely would qualify uh, as the veteran here. But uh, I think the, the good news for, for Penguins fans is Justin Schultz, I think, is almost a lock to be back in the lineup. Mike Sullivan, knowing him, will call Schultz a game-time decision tonight. Um, but I would expect him to play. He It sounded like he was close to playing in their last game before the break. Uh, so whenever uh, when their next game comes up, I would expect Justin Schultz to, to be a, a game-time call officially. And Cahoon, I think they may have benefited from the timing of the break uh, and their bye week. It's certainly possible that he doesn't uh, miss more than uh, just that that one game, uh, you know, depending on, on how everything progresses for him. This is a team that already, you know, Jim Rutherford is the, the trade machine. The guy will make any trade any time. And he's already said his goal is to find uh, a top six winger to play with Sidney Crosby uh, because they have Jake Gensel out. I think what's really interesting is they can use the, the $6 million uh, of LTIR from Jake Gensel's contract to add uh, a top six winger and then once the playoffs start if jake gensel happens to be ready to go the salary cap is is gone for the playoffs so you could have a six million dollar player and get jake gensel back for the postseason 
certainly not a guarantee that he's going to play again this year, but it would be an interesting kind of uh, loophole, really, for Pittsburgh to take advantage of. The St. Louis Blues clicking along 5-3-2 and two their last uh, 10, but they're on a three-game losing streak, losing the last two before the break, and now again last night in Vancouver. Uh, Allen, Jake Allen was in the Nets for... 23 save effort. Sanford got their only goal, and Perron picked up the only helper in that 3-1 loss. In terms of what's happening more recently as well, Colton Preco returned after a seven-game absence due to his upper body injury, so good news there. Vlad Tarasenko has resumed skating, but folks, don't get too excited. His shoulder injury will still likely keep him out the lineup for the rest of the regular season. There may be a bit of a side benefit to that, though, if he, if he goes that long. The Blues will then have the option of turning his $7 million cap hit into some activity at the trade deadline where they can fill out the roster using that money, and it won't hurt them to have... Uh, Tarasenko return in the postseason the key thing is there he has to sit out the rest of the regular season to make that happen so a tough situation to get through uh, you want to get your best player in the lineup quick as possible but it might be worth holding on to him until the playoffs to bolster that lineup as a result of the LTIR loophole Tyler Bozak has been seeing some top six uh, action on the right wing in the absence of the big Russian tank. Uh, he has five points in his last six games played on the right flank. Alex Dean, another veteran depth winger, is uh, having a good run. He's playing left wing on the third line. He's been on a tear himself with eight points in his last seven games played. What's interesting for me uh, for this this team right now is how the return of Pareko affects their decision making heading uh, into the, the deadline here. Now, there's been a lot of talk about them potentially uh, moving on uh, from Alex Peter uh, Petrangelo just because uh, he's going to be a, a UFA after the season. But and, and St. Louis has made some of these big moves in, in the past to, to ship off a guy. But that's when they were building a team. At this point, this is a championship caliber team that's trying to move you know, back uh, to, to the Stanley Cup Finals. So I just think it's a very different situation from where they found themselves a couple of years ago. You know, you talk about them moving off Shattenkirk that year, and that was a big surprise to everybody. Um, this isn't a, a, a team building for the future right now. This is a win-now team. Now, granted, if the right price tag came for uh, Petrangelo and they didn't have a feeling that the contract uh, talks were going well. Certainly, I think they would listen to calls, but I'd be surprised if they're actively working to move the 29-year-old D-man. And San Jose, they picked up a win last night to snap a three-game losing streak entering the All-Star break. Patrick Marlowe and Stefan Noison picked up two goals each in that outing. Brent Burns played through, played through a shoulder injury before the break, being blanked in his last three games played while his minutes per game have remained steady with his usual heavy workload. So you've got to give it up for him. He uh, is nicked up, but he's not missing any time and uh, still shouldering that. Uh, the big minutes there. Aaron Dell stumbled in the last two starts before the All-Star break, but was back in goal last night, staying in front of Marty Jones on the depth chart for now. And that's uh, more of an indictment on Jones's play than anything else. He's not been very steady of late. Thomas Hurdle needs to pick up his game as the center on the top unit with scoring well off his uh, last season nice breakout campaign. 
It's also complicated by the fact that he's sporting a minus 19 rating so far this season. They expect much more from a guy who was hoping to build on that career year, and it hasn't happened for sure. Joe Thornton is a guy who's tasked with taking on more of a, a role at center with uh, Logan Couture's absence continuing for the next few weeks. The veteran with the beard has only one point to show for his last five games played, despite those bigger minutes. So here's a crazy scenario for you. Here's a team that could really use some quality top-end goaltending right now. <laughs> could they make a move for Henrik Lundqvist? Possible. I, I, I'm just speculating here. I, I don't have any uh, insider information on that. That's also not the type of move that I would expect to see midseason. That's something that, if it were to happen, I think would be a conversation over the summer uh, and during the offseason. But certainly, you could make an argument that this team – would look really good with King Henrik uh, between the pipes. Uh, additional kind of questions are whether Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe would be willing to accept a trade move here uh, to go to a contender. Uh, Marlowe, I, th- I think with everything that happened in, in his previous stop, in, enjoyed his time in Toronto but wanted to come back, I would be surprised if, if he'd be willing to move. And, and the same for Joe Thornton. But if these guys want to get a cup, before their career ends it's certainly not happening with the sharks this year it might happen in tampa though this team was on an eight and two run before the break they did drop a game in overtime last night as we said earlier andre vasilevsky uh, picked up 31 saves in that outing but he did stumble in the overtime uh steven stamkos accounting for their offense picking up both goals last night Anthony Sorelli has been very prominent in a recent search by the surge by the Bolts, scoring six points in his last three games, played to solidify his spot in the second line center position. Similarly, Tyler Johnson's enjoy, enjoyed his most prolific stretch of the season, eight points in his last eleven games. They had to be they have to be thrilled with Vasilevsky. Uh, after early season stumbles, AJ he had recorded 10 straight wins before last night's game so good news there also a developing story Mikhail Sergachev continues to take positive steps in his development his scoring rate time on ice and points per uh, power play time is on the rise here so they're taking their time developing this prospect but he's going to be a stud on this team for years to come well I have similar concerns for for Tampa Bay uh, heading into the postseason as I would about Boston right now you know you look at their their last uh, you know last the the month of January Nikita Kucherov 15 points in 11 games Steven Stamkos 14 points in, in that stretch Braden point 10 but from there it really starts to talk drop off a little bit you know you mentioned Sorelli but uh, uh, you know Palat only has six. Killahorn has just five. Tyler Johnson has just five. There's just so little depth on this team uh, in terms of scoring, which which is surprising to say because last season it was mostly the same guys, and they were able to produce at a significantly higher rate. So um, I definitely have some concerns about how top-heavy this team is uh, as we get closer to the postseason. Well, I'm hoping the Leafs get close to the postseason. That's the team we'll talk next. Uh, they lost their last two before the break. They were 4-3-3 three, and three in that stretch of the last 10 games. But last night, they started the second the stretch run with an impressive 5-2 win in Nashville. 
Freddie Anderson, who needs to be a, the first star of the rest of the way, picked up 33 saves and earned his 20th win of the season. Rasmus Sandin played his 10th game, so he's burned a year of his entry-level situation there, but picked up a goal in that outing, a goal and an assist, in fact, his first goal as a, an NHLer. Zach Hyman and Willie Nylander continuing their recent run of excellence. One goal and one assist for each of them. Austin Matthews chipped in with his 35th, and Jason Spezza, now that he's out from out of the shadow of uh, 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 Mike Bass, Cock is enjoying life with the Leafs picked up another goal last night. They also got a boost from the fact that Jake Muzzin and Trevor Moore returned to the lineup. Muzzin in fact took up his uh, regular workload on the blue line. A big help there. But you know what? All this talk about the star players and it's occurred to me that John Tavares has not received enough credit for the growth of players like that he's nurtured around him. Willie Nylander, Mikhaev, Hyman, and Marner in the last two seasons, all these guys can point to the best numbers that they've posted as pros, and all of them did that well on the wing of John Tavares. So uh, the captain really should get a little more pressed than he does, but the fact is there's uh, a lot of big names here that are kind of soaking up the air uh, on this club right now. As I said, the pressure will be on Freddie Anderson to guide this team back to the postseason. He'll need a new contract after next year, and a backward step may not be tolerated. So pressure's on him in that regard. Well, Paul, for for you and other Leafs fans, uh, the last thing I'm concerned about with this team is Sandine uh, burning that year of his his entry-level deal. And part of that is because you look to next season – He's one of only three Leafs defensemen that's under contract for next year. It's him, uh, Marinson, and Hole are the only three guys that they have under contract next year. Now, Travis Dermott is an RFA, but your big guys, CeCe, Muzzin, and Barry, are all UFAs after this season. So really, uh, for the long-term outlook, I'm not worried about it. Plus, you're talking about probably the best defenseman at the World Junior Championships in Sandine. And to have him back in your lineup is is not a problem, in, in my opinion. I think if if Toronto can progress uh, and move up the standings and make the postseason, I think a lot of that is going to be because they made the, the decision to have Sandine on the 23-man roster. And you left out Morgan Riley. Don't give Leaf fans a heart attack, okay? He's signed for next year, too. <laughs> uh, Vancouver Canucks, they were 7-3 and three in their last 10 before the break. They added to that with a 3-1 win last night against St. Louis. Thatcher Demko made 36 saves in a start, uh, relieving Jacob Markstrom uh, of a start last night with some style points there. Uh, JT Miller continuing his recent run. Two goals for him. Bo Horvat, a goal for him. Both these guys carrying much of the offensive load. Vertanen and Tanev chipped in with two helpers each in that uh, victory. Tanner Pearson is thriving in a top six role. 13 points in his last 10 games played at left wing on the second line. Louis Erickson writing a similar story with six points in his last 10 on the right wing on the second unit. Bo Horvat, Horvat, I said, should get lots of credit for their emergence. He may threaten career highs, and that's good news for him that he's not facing the checking that uh, he normally would with that young superstar manning the first line. Uh, Pedersen. Let's get the name right. Pedersen. (laughs) Alex Edler, speaking of key players on this roster, a D-man who usually drives a lot of offense, has only one assist in his last eight games that played. That's a bit of a troubling spot. Mark, we said that Markstrom got the night off. He's hoping to build on a 9-2 run in the last uh, 11 decisions that he's had. He's been very steady, allowing three goals or less in eight of those starts. I, it's really interesting how long it seems to be uh, that that Michael Furland has been out of the lineup. It it seems like he's close, 
and then it doesn't seem like he's close. Like it's just it ping pongs back and forth, uh, and and you really have to wonder when he's going to be available. You know, back in mid December he was placed on IR. Then shortly thereafter they moved him to long term injured reserve. And now he wasn't traveling with the team, but was expected to possibly join them at some point. Never did join them at any point. He's not going to play, uh, you know, on Wednesday. And so really you have to wonder when are we going to see Michael Furlan uh, back in the lineup? And I think he would really help uh, a team that could use uh, some extra scoring. Now, granted, they've been getting it from Louis Erickson, which is a bit of a surprise after he was basically yeah. buried. Uh, in the press box for much of the year, but they definitely could use another guy if they're going to make uh, a postseason push here and, and hold on to that top uh, top spot in the Pacific Division. The Vegas Golden Knights, a team that uh, has made a big splash ever since they joined the NHL, they're struggling a little bit of late. Four, five, and one is their record. They lost their last two going into the All Star proceedings they hope to get centers cody glass and willie carlson back this week that should boost their offense significantly chandler stevenson was tasked with a scoring line role there for a while in their absence did well picking up five points in his last eight get there his last eight games played but if one or both of them returns you can bet he's going to be in the bottom six soon and that will erode much of his dfs value that he uh, generated of late shea theodore is a guy who generated a ton of interest in dfs with his recent play 11 points in his last 11 games played a few of those were multi-point efforts as well mark andre fleury is not eligible for the post all-star game debut because he didn't attend the all-star proceedings so they'll go with a backup goalie their first time time out of the shoot uh, in this stretch drive alex tuck is a guy that we both like a little bit aj he's now uh, relegated to right wing on the third line and hopes to snap out of a nine game scoreless slide that uh, he had entering the break the problem for Stephenson is even if you move him to wing, there's just no spot for him in the top six, right? Like once Carlson yeah. gets healthy, you're not going to bump, you know, Pacioretty or Stone uh, from that second line. And so really he, he is unfortunately due to circumstance would at best, I could maybe see you moving him to, you know, left wing three uh, with Eakin and Tuck. But even then I, I would be hesitant to bump carrier off that, off that group as well. So um, he's he's really in a tough spot here. And as far as the flurry suspension, talk about the least impactful uh, you know suspension ever. They're playing a back to back right away. So really, the only difference by flurry sitting out the All Star game, getting healthy, getting time away, is that Malcolm Subban has to take the first game of the back to back instead of the second. Like they might have considered shutting flurry down for an extra game anyway to give him more rest, uh, like, you know, like the blues did with Bennington last night. So really this, <laughs> this suspension may have had no, made no difference in how they were going to approach these next two games. Yeah. Great call on that one, partner, the Washington capitals. There were six and four in their last 10 uh, before the break winners of the last three. They added to that with a victory in, uh, Ovi's absence. They, he sat because of the similar issue not making the all-star game appearance. They won four to two in Montreal, Braden Holtby with 31 saves in that effort. 
Wilson and Verana picked up a goal each. Backstrom and Boyd picked up the other singles. Ilya Samsonov is a guy that we started to talk about a little bit more uh, of late, AJ. And it's no wonder. This guy sports an incredible 15-2-1 record on the year, spelling Holtby and getting a lot more of the share lately. His 2.07 goals against. You can cue the Braden Holtby rumors, uh, I think, in the offseason here. Dmitry Orlov has posted five points in his last 10 games played. A lot of that is attributable to more time on the power play in recent weeks for that defenseman and more playing time with somebody named John Carlson. Richard Panic is uh, proving to be good insurance recently on uh, for the top six wing positions. He's got four points in limited play in a recent stretch of games. And uh, I think he can be plugged into any of those top six roles to uh, add his offensive veteran savvy to that mix too. So nice insurance there. Right wing uh, on the second line, for instance, uh, TJ Oshie might be one of those guys, but he's been uh, blowing hot and cold much of the season and currently is riding a bit of a five-game funk. Only one assist to show for his uh, efforts in that run. Well, I think Panic mixed uh, a, a prime opportunity last night. He got that top left wing role uh, with Ovechkin, uh, you know, missing the game. And I think if he had put up some points, he, he would have had a chance to to maybe take over as the, the right wing two for TJ Oshie with, with Oshie slumping. But uh, didn't really do much in the game last night. So Ovechkin will go back into that spot. And I think, unfortunately, at this point, that means Panic at best would be third line right. Uh, right wing over over Travis Boyd there. So I, I think a missed opportunity uh, for him there. And then in terms that you mentioned, John Carlson, at this point, he's got a 12 point lead over Roman Yossi. Uh, and so just go ahead, go engrave the Norris trophy with his name on it. At, at this point, it's, it's pretty much locked up for him. Uh, he'd have to go on a pretty bad slump and Yossi would have to go on a pretty strong run at this point to overcome that uh, that deficit. Well, the Winnipeg Jets, you talk about a team that needs a strong run. They are in the same position as a couple of other teams around the league that we've talked about, Nashville and, the, and Toronto. They are on the outside looking in right now, teams that are expected to be in the postseason and struggling to, to even qualify at the moment. Losers of their last four before the break indicative of that recent slide, 3-6-1. and one. Dustin Bufflin headlines are still on the in the forefront here he may test his injured ankle by skating on his own soon hasn't decided one way or another about a possible return to the winnipeg lineup or even roster situation so that's still a peripheral issue that they hope to end positively for winnipeg jets fans i suppose they're also thin at forward here minus little Latesto and lowry so the injury bug hitting them hard uh, recently jack ruslavik uh, has snapped a long goalless streak before the break with a pair of goals and is ticketed to start post all-star at right wing on a scoring line role so we'll see if he can hold on to that situation in terms of their blue line morrissey and pionk are their two offensively skilled defensemen they're paired together and that leaves a very thin unit that is devoid of offensive skills and should not be considered for dfs play in the rest of that lineup well, I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Paul. I actually think Sammy Niku uh, is, a, is a player you could look at in terms of some additional offensive support from the blue line. Now, it hasn't been there at the NHL level yet, just one assist in nine games. Um, but in 18 appearances for Manitoba this season in the AHL, he's got 14 points, uh, put up 12 in 20 games last year. And in his first AHL season, had 54 points. So I think this is a guy that just needs time and opportunities to adjust to the NHL game 
but could offer offensive support. You know, I, I feel for this organization uh, when we talk about the blue line, if they had known heading into the season that Dustin Bufflin was thinking about retiring, there's no way they let Truba Myers and uh, Shabbat walk in the off season. I, I just don't see them uh, doing all three of those situations if they thought Bufflin wasn't going to be around. So really, I think uh, they've made do with what they can after being caught kind of unaware uh, by this whole situation. They've you know tried to add. They picked up Dahlstrom uh, from uh, waiver wire. He ended up getting hurt. They did the same thing with Lucas Pisa, uh, pick, snatching him off the waiver wire to try and do something with this blue line. But unfortunately, the Bufflin situation continues to hang over them in terms of whether or not uh, he can continue to be suspended and they don't have to factor in his contract. But if that arbitration case gets decided differently, then they might have to pay him and then his contract would cost. There's just a whole myriad of issues beyond whether or not Bufflin is going to play or not. All right, AJ, let's talk about FanDuel for a little bit. Uh, my experience has been really positive since joining Rotowire several years ago. I've enjoyed hundreds of contests here in all sports. And uh, note that about 3 million players have won a cash prize uh, playing FanDuel in these myriad of sport offerings, to use your term there. There's a special uh, offer for new user, users that we provide at Rotowire. So get on that, folks, and join in on the fun. Uh, in terms of the picks for tonight's games, it's a two-game slate. Uh, interesting to see what the optimizer has in store for us, AJ. Yeah, so uh, pretty heavy on the Buffalo-Ottawa game in general for, for the optimizer. So it starts with Jack Eichel at 9,100 and then goes uh, Braden Shen for St. Louis at 5,700. So a bit of a high-low uh, in terms of, of the centers there. But Shen, 5,700 for a first-line center is, is kind of a steal. The optimizer likes Matthew to Chuck at 6,500 goes with a Buffalo stack here in Skinner at 6,400 and Reinhardt at 5,400. Really uh, hard to argue against using either of those guys uh, in your lineup. The optimizer also likes Tyler Ennis for Ottawa at 3,500. And that's probably bolstered by the fact that he's set to be on that first power play unit. If that changes, I would expect him to maybe get dropped um, from, from the optimizer here. Thomas Shabbat uh, on the blue line, 5,500, can be an offensive weapon. You talked about the problems he's had this season. Then Rasmus Ristolainen, 4,900, again, uh, you know, set to be on the number two power play unit. And I think that's a pretty decent value for him considering what he's produced. And then in the Nets, the optimizer likes David Riddish tonight, uh, 7,600. Uh, a bit of a value savings there by by using uh, you know one of the lower cost um, you know the uh, you've only got four net miners to choose from Riddich on the bottom half of, of those four outings so a bit of a value option there for you absolutely and none of the goalies really going to cost you an arm and a leg tonight there are none of the elite goalies in the league going in these two games. Uh, scheduled i have a couple of similarities with the optimizer beginning with jack eichel up top i can't see anything but a breakout performance for him tonight against an ottawa team that's playing the second of back-to-backs and you know that he wants to hit the ice running uh, ryan o'reilly a linchpin for st louis's offense is my other center so i paid up to get both of those guys you know i'm going to go a little cheaper on the wings but i find a decent value i go with a trio of st louis blues Jaden schwartz for 
$5,700. Alex Steen for $4,200. I spoke about how he's been hot of late. Tyler Bozak as well fits into that mold. I grabbed him for $4,000. So $8,200 to get two wingers who are among the hottest on this slate. I'll take that every night. And Jeff Skinner back in the lineup for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm looking for him to uh, not waste any time and get back in the scoring. He's got a $6,400 price tag. On defense, in addition to Ristolainen, who I think is a great value tonight, I went with Noah Hannafin, the only contrarian pick that I made, because you can only pick a maximum of four guys on, on any team. So I'm going with uh, Hannafin as a scoring option for Calgary in that game against St. Louis. And in Nets, I have Linus Allmark, who has taken the role and run with it in Buffalo, and I think he has a great chance to put up a, a low, low goals against, maybe even a shutout performance against an Ottawa team that's playing that second of back-to-backs. Curious to hear what you have done, AJ. You have great strategies that you share with us from time to time, too. Yeah, so I've, I've used a, a lot of the same players that, that you did, and, and mostly the, the Buffalo guys. So I'll just mention which ones I used, and, and I won't go into details. We've talked about them. Uh, I have Eichel, Skinner, uh, and Ristolainen in my lineup as well. So clearly all three, uh, you know, the numbers in the optimizer, uh, the, the stats man in Paul, and then myself all agree on those three guys tonight. Uh, I like uh, JP Peugeot for 5,300. I think it's a good matchup for a guy that's been pretty consistent producer this season. Uh, he got a game under his belt, so he should be uh, ready to go. And I'll pair him up with Brady to Chuck at 7,100. Uh, so I get a bit of a first line stack there. I mentioned having concerns about Gergeson on that first line for Buffalo, but at 3,600, I think that's a steal for a first liner can really save uh, some price tag there uh, and, and get him. If that lineup combo changes, I might flip as well. And then I'll be perfectly honest here. I wanted to spend up in certain spots. So I tossed in Sam Bennett for 3,100 as a throw, essentially a throwaway guy. He's set for fourth line minutes. I don't really have any reason to use him other than the fact that he's got a low salary and let me pay up in other spots. So if he produces tonight, uh, it'll be a, a bonus for me. Uh, one of those spots I paid up, Alex Petrangelo is the top cost defenseman tonight at uh, 6,700. But his numbers per, you know, his fancy points per game is pushing 15. And I really think he's worth it tonight in a small slate to take the big, uh, the big guy there. And I did the same thing in the Nets. Jordan Biddington, 8,800. Uh, I like the matchup with Calgary uh, in terms of a, a team that's been struggling. Uh, and so I'll, I'll take the, the big paycheck there. So all those reasons kind of factored in to why I, I had to go with a, a bit of a, a throwaway player in Sam Bennett tonight. All right, AJ. Well, uh, the fact that we're through this episode we're now only a few weeks away from the uh, trade deadline and our rumors are going to increase in terms of the inclusion in, in these episodes so we encourage everybody to join in for that it wraps up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj for another week our next episode is tentatively scheduled to take place next tuesday please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj Schultz 24 as always we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody 